The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. We are talking Twitch this week, listeners. I know live streaming is on the top of your mind, so I want to bring some great advice to you. Our guest this week on the program is an acclaimed business development consultant, a live streaming expert, and the author of Twitch for Musicians, an ebook and online course that teaches musicians how to produce a Twitch channel, grow a fan base, and earn revenue on the Twitch live streaming platform. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.twitchformusicians.com. We are happy to welcome Karen Allen onto the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Karen. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So excited to have you. Man, could this topic uh, be any more important? This is the time to talk to you. Uh, Live streaming is on the top of mind of all of my clients, of the folks that listen to this podcast. It's where the industry is going, and the COVID pandemic has only brought us here quicker. And so I'm excited to ask you a lot of questions about live streaming and about Twitch specifically. And I always told myself that if I ever had the opportunity to speak with a Twitch expert, I would ask him a little bit at first about the history of it, because this is something that's always interested me. Musicians have taken over Twitch. It seems like there's lots of great music being done there, but when Twitch started, it was a platform used by gamers. It was a place where people streamed gaming, and so I'm curious, as somebody who's spent a lot of time studying Twitch, do you have any insight on how this platform that was used by gamers to stream video games, how did it become a haven for musicians? Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty interesting actually, and and to be to be clear, Twitch is still mostly a place for gamers to watch gamers play games, um, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But um, Twitch is also a place for the creative arts, and gamers tend to be creative people who have alternate interests. So um, over time, other categories have sort of organically formed. Um, that gamers wanted to stream in. Maybe gamers didn't always want to stream them playing games. Maybe they wanted to do some art or play some music or, you know, just there's a whole category called just chatting, which is kind of a catch-all for things that you're just doing in general. Um, So yeah, people like doing more just playing games on there and it ends up being sort of a creative arts hub in that sense. And the music category just sort of organically formed. Um, And what I really like about a music category being on a, a larger service like Twitch is that there was no expectation for it to succeed. Um, And there have been a handful, less than 10, but definitely more than five dedicated live stream, user-generated content style live stream platforms, just the way Twitch is, but were dedicated strictly to music and they all failed because it's extremely hard to get both users and creators in a platform en masse to the point where it can be successful. And it's hard to do it with a category that's sort of small like music. So um, it was kind of a wonderful, happy accident that uh, this music category evolved under Twitch and there was no business expectation for it to be successful in any way. And it really gave it the five years it needed to develop. And that's really how long this category has been there. People have literally been streaming music since 2015. Um, And it's been growing, you know, 
a bit every single year and Twitch has been getting behind it more every year. A, a year or so before this pandemic, they actually created an entire music department within Twitch specifically to support the music category. So Twitch's supported music is, is not a reaction to the pandemic. It was just an acceleration of what they were already doing. And it's um, it's sort of, you know, unveiled itself to the world uh, as this incredible resource for independent musicians who are looking to, you know, chart their own course and find a fan base and deliver, you know, engagement and, and um, quality to that fan base and then monetize that fan base. So as a business development consultant, what was it that first got you interested in Twitch that made you say, hey, I want to write about this? Was it just the idea that it was this music community inside a larger community? Is it just the really cool user base that Twitch has, this really welcoming community that exists there? Well, I got my socks knocked off by live streaming in general in 2016 when I discovered YouNow, which is like Twitch, but mostly for teen and teen-friendly content. It's not really a gamer place. It's just sort of a general... Anything you'd see teens doing on YouTube, you'd see them doing on you now. Um, so I started streaming there because I couldn't understand why teenagers were paying, you know, per channel to voluntarily, you can watch for free like you can on Twitch, but voluntarily subscribing to these channels for real money um, and buying virtual goods for real money for content that was very similar to what you would see on YouTube. And I couldn't really figure that out. It didn't make sense to me. So I started streaming and then it immediately made sense to me. Um, I completely got what they were paying for and what was happening there and why it was worth it. Um, and then I started looking at other live stream platforms and that's when I started looking into Twitch and I found this music category there. And it was sort of like what we've been hoping would materialize for the music industry since you know, we still, we first got into digital in the nineties. Um, it was really, really extraordinary. And I saw artists literally making a living there. Um, and if not making a living, living, definitely making a nice side hustle and certainly making a hell of a lot more than they would make through Spotify and Bandcamp as an indie artist. So that was really, really like game changing for me. Um, I didn't really get serious about the music community on Twitch as a thing that I would do full time um, until the beginning of 2019, uh, when I wanted to start a music channel with a artist friend of mine, because I wanted to see what Twitch was from the inside, the way that I saw what you now was from the inside. And when I saw what it was from the inside, I was like, wow, this is really complicated to figure out. And you go live on you now, you click the little go live button on you now, and guess what? You're live. That's not at all how it works on Twitch. Um, there's a lot of steps to take and a lot of different services you have to use and integrate into your channel. And it's like this big web. Um, and it's kind of fun for, you know, PC gamer people to figure out because they like puzzles like that. But artists don't like puzzles. Artists like just going, you know, just doing music and being in front of people. And I just thought this is such an extraordinary resource and artists are never going to get over this hurdle. It's just too much. So um, once I learned how to do it, I figure I'm just going to write a book and create an online course and take this out to the people and see what happens. And the book came out um, August of 2019. And it was a good six months of, you know, talking to the wall, basically, to anybody, <laughs> to anybody who would listen. Um, I remember I launched it at the CD Baby DIY Musician Conference and literally ran around the conference with my stack of flyers saying, hey, have you heard of Twitch? And the answer was always no. What is that? 
<laughs> have you heard of live streaming? No. <laughs> what is that? You know, and it was just, it was that there, it was that, at, you know, a couple other indie artist conferences I went to and music industry conferences. I tried to get on podcasts and nobody would have me, you know, nobody cared basically uh, until the pandemic hit and then everybody had to care. So, I mean, things must I, be changing for you now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, look, this is not the way I thought it would happen. I figured eventually people would sort of come around to this. It would just take some time and, you know, some, some beating to, to get it to happen. Um, this is not the way, you know, I would like to see it happen, but I am very thrilled that everyone wants to play in my sandbox now. Well, uh, it's, it's a great sandbox to play in and uh, certainly a valuable service that you've provided in providing a a handy guide for artists to walk them through how to use Twitch because it can be a bit of a learning curve, but once you get into it and once you get part of that community, uh, it, it can be a really great place to operate. And uh, l listeners, you can check out our guest's ebook and course by going to twitchformusicians.com. Let's let's expand our live streaming universe out a bit though, because Twitch certainly isn't the only option that exists for musicians in live streaming. And I find that when musicians tell me that they want to get into live streaming, one of the first questions they have is what platform do I use? There's so many different live streaming platforms out there. There's Twitch, there's Facebook Live, there's YouTube, there's Instagram Live, there's Stage It, there's a bunch of them. And so can you give us any insight, Karen, on uh, which platform an artist might want to choose given their situation? Or should they even just choose one? Should they be using multiple platforms? Yeah, what, what I tell, the first thing I ask artists is, do you want to live stream regularly or is this going to be a very occasional thing for you? And if it's going to be a very occasional thing, then just do it where you already have audience. Hmm. Whether it's Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, you know, they all have live streaming capabilities. So does TikTok. If you're big on TikTok, stream on TikTok. If you're only going to stream once in a while, then just make it easy on yourself and do it where people can already discover you. If you want to stream on a regular basis and really make a go at this being a moneymaker for you and a way to build fan base, and you're going to commit to streaming, you know, if you're a developing artist, you know, three times a week, if you're an, if you're an established artist, you can do it every couple of weeks. But if you're going to commit to being somewhere regularly, then it is worth creating and building a channel on Twitch because really just nothing beats it in terms of tools you're going to have for fan engagement, tools you're going to have to take song requests and monetize song requests. Um, you know, things you can do with your audience once they're there. Um, just nothing, nothing compares to all the features, not necessarily that Twitch provides, but all the services that you can attach to Twitch um, that they provide. So it, it's it's worth it to drive your audience to Twitch if you're going to, if you want to build over time. So it depends on the way that you want to use it and the frequency and, and whether this is just sort of a small part of what you're doing as a one-off, or if you're going to make it a central part of your strategy, that's going to dictate what platform you choose. That makes a lot of sense. Now let's talk about the content on the platform. I, uh, when you're live streaming, I heard you once say in the past that an artist's approach for creating content on live streaming should be completely different than an artist's approach for creating content on social media. What do you right. mean by that? When you when we create for social, what we've been taught is to keep it short and keep it entertaining every second. You know, you, you see videos in, on YouTube and they're very edited. Um, you see posts on Instagram, we're told to use the same filter for everything. You know, we are taught to keep people's attention as they are doing the infinite scroll. 
and you're only going to get about two minutes of their intention. So make it quick and make it good. And it is the complete opposite when you're live streaming. Um, you're up for at least two hours. Uh, there's a lot of space in between <laughs> what you're doing. So, you know, you might only cover six songs, 10 songs, maybe in two hours. Where, whereas if you were on stage for two hours, you'd cover, you know, 20 songs. Um, there's no expectation to be perfect. There's no expectation for everything to look amazing. And uh, you just need to sound good. I mean, that's a minimum because it's really hard to watch a stream over two hours that sounds crappy. Um, but it, it's it's just the opposite of everything we're told. You know, you're meant to be authentic. You're meant to be informal. You're meant to talk to your audience. You know, you're meant to do to do these things where it feels like you're hanging out. Whereas when you're creating content for socials, you are trying to entertain in small bits. So it's it's just completely opposite. So live streaming listeners don't have the same expectation of being you know, on their seat, entertained every second of your stream. It can be more low key. It can be more casual. You can have longer stretches of time in between songs. That's interesting. Like, how is the time in between songs filled? Is it just uh, reading comments, just having conversations with viewers? Yeah, you're going to chat to your audience. You're going to read the comments from the posts and people are going to talk to each other in the chat. Hmm. Uh, and you'll read the chat and respond to people. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're just a talkative person and you like to talk about your songs and whatever else is going on in your life. And, you know, that's that's really where a lot of the community gets built is this time in between the songs. Um, and any any live streamer will tell you this. Um, and the the deal with content on live streaming is that community actually beats out content. So it's actually content wrapped in community. So whereas your socials is very content first, community second, the community follows the content. It's it's the opposite on live streaming. What you're really doing like... there is hanging out with people and playing songs. Like think of it like you had people over to your house for some beers and music. That's what you're doing on live streaming. It almost sounds like when a musician is live streaming, it's the stuff between the songs that actually builds the community and builds the mm -hmm. audience and grows the audience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, obviously the songs too, um, people like to be entertained, <laughs> but, um, but people end up, you know, they create little families, you know, little communities amongst themselves. There's a, there's the community dynamic dynamic from the creator to the audience. And then there's the community dynamic between the audience as well. Like they all kind of get to know each other after a while. And like, especially if you already have fans, you know, there's nothing like hanging out with people who like the same thing you like while that thing is happening. And that's, that's a big part of what live streaming is all about. And something you definitely have to think about, you know, how to grow. Um, and the people who are good at it are the ones who do well. And maybe that's what makes live streaming such a powerful piece of content during a pandemic, because not only are we all hungry for great music and we can't go out in bars and watch it. So, you know, live streaming gives us that. But when we're all quarantined in our homes, we're desperate for community as well. We're desperate to connect to others. And to the extent that a good musician live stream can provide that for us, that's all the more valuable to listeners or viewers. I for say. sure. And that's why Zoom is so huge right now, too. That's why House Party got so big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's that immediacy. It's it's the I do something, you do something. I did something, I see it on the screen. 
you know, I make a comment, the person responds. It's not like this whole time shifted experience where, you know, we're very aware that we're just on the couch doing the infinite doom scroll. You know, we're actually like in a conversation talking with people and there's something really powerful about that. It's a rush for creators. Now, I'm not a musician myself, but I did dabble a little bit in live streaming at the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, I worked with uh, the organization Sweet Relief, where we put on a eight-hour telethon using Zoom and Facebook Live to raise money for Sweet Relief. And we got about 30 or 40 independent musicians to drop in on Zoom using this live stream. I don't know how we pulled it off. Like even, As I think about it now, it seemed like a technological impossibility, but we made it happen. And just the rush that we all got from doing this telethon together, because we got that real-time feedback from the audience, we saw the community slowly build over the eight hours as we were raising more and more money. There's nothing like it. It's not like anything else I've ever done as a content creator. Like it does not. It's super fun, yeah. isn't it? That oh, that's it was... the thing. Third little secret is that you know live streaming is fun. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Like coming up with a content calendar for Instagram is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like work. And live streaming doesn't feel like work. It just feels like fun. So how are creators translating the live streaming experience into dollars for them? How are musicians using this platform to pay their rent? Because it's not like you can at least not easily charge admission to get into Twitch. Now, I know with platforms like Stageit, you can actually charge admission to for people to watch your shows. But for other live streaming platforms, how are, how are artists monetizing? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when it comes to these freemium, um, platforms, free or freemium, there's, there's ways to do it. So like Instagram, you would just post your PayPal link or your Venmo, mm -hmm. um, Facebook, same thing, post your PayPal, post your Venmo. They do have virtual currency called stars. So you're going to spend money buying stars and you're going to spend stars on streams. Um, it's been limited only to gamers and they're rolling it out to, um, all streamers, but I haven't seen the streamers that I work with actually have access to that yet. So I'm not sure how that works. Um, YouTube is free to watch and free to stream. And um, you have to qualify into their monetization. So, and you do that with um, general stats around your YouTube channel. So a certain number of views on your videos and subscribers and those sorts of things. Um, and as you qualify into their levels, um, people can actually pay a subscription. Hmm. It's um, not called subscribe because subscribing to your YouTube is free. It's called something else. But they can actually pay to subscribe monthly to your channel. Um, and they can buy virtual currency. Um, they can spend it on um, little graphics uh, called stickers. Um, or they can pay um, for something called Super Chat. And Super Chat will highlight their message um, in, in the chat. So that's, uh, that's them. Um, TikTok works a lot like twitch in that there are subscriptions um and there's also virtual currency and you spend the virtual currency um in the stream to make animations appear on the stream um but also with twitch you can use a couple of streamer services and uh, one is called Streamlabs, and one is called stream elements and you can take donations through um your web pages on Streamlabs or stream elements for basically anything you want to charge for and in any amount so that's where a lot of artists sort of cycle through their donations on song requests so you can go to a streamers page on Streamlabs or stream elements and say you know here's five dollars and here's my name and I want to hear this song and that goes into a little queue um, that the streamer can can watch um, and they know that so-and-so gave them five dollars to play x song and streamers make a lot of money doing that 
that's really great to hear. And yeah. I am, I'm all for models that sort of get rid of all of the middle men, middle people between creators and those who consume the work of creators. And live streaming just seems like a great opportunity to make that happen. Before we ask you our last question that we ask all the guests on the program, I want to get one more advice question from you. When you get an artist who comes to you, because I'm sure you get this question all the time, artists that come to you and say, I love what I'm hearing about live streaming. I read your book. I, I, I want to get into this, but I don't know where to start. I'm afraid to get started. What do you usually tell artists to do first? Once they actually understand how to create a channel, like like boots on the ground, my channel's created, what do I do? That sort of thing you mean? Yeah. Um, you know what? The first thing I tell artists to do is spend time, if you're going to be on Twitch, spend time on Twitch. Watch the other streamers. Become a part of their communities. You never want to promote yourself overtly in their in their streams. And you never want to say, I'm going on in an hour, come see me, because that's called stream sniping and it's considered to be rude. Um, but go and find other streamers who you think you might share audience with, even if you're not the exact same kind of artist. So maybe they're not a female singer, songwriter, guitarist, but maybe you think their audience would dig you. Go be a part of their communities. The same way when you move to a new city, you would go to the clubs and start meeting the bands and sort of ingratiate yourself into the artist community. Do the same thing on Twitch because artists are really able to help each other on Twitch. And it is one big, large music community. And you sort of want to find your tribe within that. And if you do that, it's going to be a lot easier for you to find new fans and to grow um, and to get advice, you know, from other streamers who've been doing this longer than you. Um, it's, and, and then people know who you are and they'll come check out your stream and you're not, you know, starting from completely zero. So that's, that's, that's my advice. Just, you know, be aware of the scene around you and become a part of the scene around you. It's great advice because I mean, above anything else, the Twitch community is an awesome one. And so it's a, it's something, it's a, something that you as an artist should get involved with just because the people on the platform are so cool. And you know, what better way to become part of this community than to do it, to help move your career forward and to get you started with this awesome medium of live streaming. If you want to find out more about how to use Twitch, uh, check out our guest's work by visiting www.twitchformusicians.com. Our guest, Karen Allen, has an ebook and a course at that webpage that you can check out and get your Twitch game on point. Karen, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for doing this. Before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, you know, I, I'm always surprised that artists don't read the trade magazines because they're all free and online and you you just that's where i learn about everything that's where i learn about what the trends are and what's working and what's not working and what the new you know cool company is um you know read things like uh you know variety that has a whole music department obviously billboard be the digital section of that um i really like music business worldwide I really like Sherry Hughes' um, Water and Music, yes. which is um, a Patreon, but she also has a bunch of stuff for free. Um, just, you know, get yourself sort of educated about what's going on and you'll learn so much that you just never knew about. And I don't know how else you find out about it unless, you know, you go start to look for it. So th that's just my advice, even though you're not strictly on the business side. Um, that's where we talk about all these trends. 
you know, and what's happening and, you know, what's, what's the cool new thing and what's working that people are doing. And it's just such an incredible resource and it's free. I'm glad you brought up Sherry's uh, pl- a publication, Water and Music, because you know, it's some of the best music business writing out there, in my opinion. We've had we've had Sherry on a few times on this podcast. She did the telethon that I told you about uh, a few minutes mm-hmm. ago. She's awesome. And I think her platform is sort of emblematic of what we're seeing now in the industry, which is new content models that are getting rid of the middle people and cr- you know putting creators closer to fans. In this case, we're talking about music business journalism and her platform being directly delivered to folks through Patreon. So, so cool. Excellent, excellent stuff. It was such a pleasure speaking with you, Carolyn. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, coming on this week. It was super fun. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.